Hello Bakersfield, I'm Andre Gonzalez. I'm Rachel Magnus. I'm Jesus Gonzalez. I'm Carla Barrientos. And you're listening to Hello Bakersfield, the podcast that is finger licking good. Yeah! <laughs> Yum! <laughs> I love it already. Are you really? Okay. <laughs> These are getting harder in today's podcast. How about that barbecue? <laughs> yeah. Today's podcast, we're featuring a special guest, Mr. <laughs> Matt Munoz. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Finger licking good. Matt Munoz. I love it. I love it. I did not say that. <laughs> oh, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about oh, you. Shut okay. right. We made it to record here. <laughs> Can we start over, please? <laughs> no, that was good. No, we're good. All right. Well, <laughs> welcome, Matt. Hi. Yeah, and uh, before we get to you, uh, we're going to do a weekly check-in with our team. Team, how's it going? I have a good question that will kind of lead into Matt. Let's do it. But um, what if we all went around and said our favorite musical experience in Bakersfield? Ah, I love that. That's a great idea. Thanks, Andre. (laughs) Uh, Carla. Well, um, I would probably say, goodness, that's a hard one. Um, There's a lot of good music here from actual artists who've come, you Oh, and cover bands, and um, I'd probably say the the latest one I went to that I really enjoyed was a Queen uh, tribute band, and they were so amazing. Where was that? I the, saw a Queen tribute band here it at was the Fox at, a few years it was a, ago. Was it Music Hall of Fame? Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, I yes. heard fabulous things. Did it you know? was so yeah. good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. It took me right into Ugh. Queen, and I just—I I mean, I, he might as well have been Frankie, Frankie, uh, Freddie Mercury. I was just like, oh, "This is yeah, amazing." So, I would—I would say that. that. I mean, I've had many other experiences with music here, but that's one that really sticks out. That's yeah. awesome. Hey, Sus. That one—I don't know. It's between that and um, the Pitbull concert. Uh- <laughs> 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 no, but both great experiences. Um, I haven't had too many. Wait, which which one though? Which one was it? The one with Enrique Iglesias, the last one. It was because I was with, there, but we had to, we had to leave before Pitbull, so I don't know how. I don't know that. I don't know that he was there. This is like I hadn't even lived here yet. So this is was, at the Robobank. Right? At the Robobank. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, no, I haven't had a lot of experiences. I'm kind of looking to open up my. Um, you know, enlighten myself with uh, smaller bands. And I'd really like to see the Hate Drugs, though. They're on my uh, list of um, bands to experience. <laughs> yeah. But on to maybe someone who's seen a little bit more and experienced a little more musically. Yeah, well, um, I my father was the project manager of the Crystal Palace. And so when I was I, like eight or nine years old, um, it was grand opening week. And he did, um, they scheduled concerts for one week straight. And I remember as a child, little girl, I got to get a new outfit for each of the concerts and got to go to all of them and got to see Dwight Yoakam and the Dixie Chicks on this new stage. And it was just really exciting. Um, The energy surrounding the opening of the Crystal Palace was really cool. And I had so much pride that my dad had built it. And so it was uh, a really sweet early memory for me. That's cool. Uh, I would say uh, a few years back, it had it has to be now like seven or eight years, but um, I got tickets to go see Willie Nelson at the Fox Theater, and wow. I took my dad, and it was a rare occasion where my dad and I went and did something fun together, just us two, and uh, it was just an awesome concert, 
And it was a great experience with him. And then shortly after that, he got sick. But it was just a really special moment, and it was fun to see Willie Nelson play. Yeah. Did, did anybody see Willie Nelson out at the to the Bright House Amphitheater? Yeah, the Bright House. That no, was I didn't a, go there. That was a great. I, show I think that was too. like a, it was like 110. It was hot, day. but it was <laughs> still yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Wichita's opened up for it. Little side note: if, if everybody who's listening, if you remember the Wichita's, uh, Olin Taylor who plays at the Crystal Palace now, they were one of the first kind of cowpunk bands from the 80s that kind oh, wow. of came through the things. But that's that's just my music geek side. We'll yeah, really, well, we're going to get more into that music. We want to get to that later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're listening to Hello Bakersfield, a project of the hub of Bakersfield. And our first guest is Mr. Matt Munoz. <sighs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> All right. We're excited to have you, and Carla's going to do the introduction. Yes. So, Matt, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. You are one of the band members of Mento Buru. Yes. Uh, incredible band. <laughs> My baby and I listened to that. I would listen to so much Mento Buru when I was pregnant, and now I know he knows your song, so he's got to go to gonna be a dancer. soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, McFarlane Boy. Yeah. Here from the big city. Fallen USA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and a lover of music. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you for, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah. This is great. Great setup here at Om Studios with uh, with all of you. So yeah. I'm all about it. I appreciate the opportunity. So yeah. we want to hear your story, uh, a little bit about you. I know McFarlane Boy came to the big city, always had a love dun, for dun, music. Bakersfield, 22 miles south. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You've made it. Take me to the nearest Taco Bell in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about it was you. Love at first sight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, yes, as you said, uh, McFarland, born and raised. Uh, yeah, you know, grew up in the 80s. Uh, you know, the, the uh, definitely kind of sounds like a cliche, but it was definitely the small town dreamer. You know, grew up with MTV. You had we had cable, and so you either had seven miles north to go to Delano for any of the bigger stores, or you came to Bakersfield where all the shows were. So the only you know, we're talking pre-internet, way a long time ago in the Stone Age. So in the eighties, it was like the Bakersfield Californian. So you had the Californian, and you you read what was going on, and you know, McFarland was just that small town place. We we had everything we needed. All the little stores. My dad coached every sports team. You come My from a really taught, big family too. Yeah, I'm seven you? kids. I'm the youngest of seven. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's like it's when you say my story, it's like there's so many different ways. But basically, you know, grew up in McFarland, a little small town, uh, but we had everything we needed there. I mean, a lot of people never left McFarland for for many years. Not even just to, as far as they went was Bakersfield. So you had all your little small town stores. We had our little local government. My my dad worked for the Pirelli Minetti Winery, which was uh, seven miles uh, right there in Delano, between Delano and McFarland. My mom taught migrant education. My parents were involved in the Farm Workers uh, Union. My dad helped delegate those first contracts with Cesar Chavez and the United Farm, Works, Farm Workers Union when he was uh, foreman for Pirelli Minetti. So lots of wow. history right in there. And, you know, I was all about it. The youngest of seven, I have five sisters, one brother. I was in all the musical uh, programs in school and, you know, just, just a regular small town kid, you know. Were either of your parents musical? My father was, I think for a little bit, you know, when he came from Mexico, uh, when he was in a, when he was 21 years old, he came over here by himself. All his family stayed in Mexico. My mom was already here. She was born in Miami, Arizona, and they all moved to uh, McFarland, and that's where 
her whole another very large family had uh, had grown up. Uh, my mom taught herself how to play guitar kind of in her older age. And she used to go play at the prisons, and she played at church and all oh, that stuff. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, That's yeah. Really so cool. it was all that, and she used to teach the, teach the prisoners how to play guitar. My dad had kind of a little bit of stint. I think it was because he was hanging out with his buddies who were like, hey, we're going to have a band. I have one picture from a band that he had called, um, it was called uh, Sonora Sierra Vista or something like that. And they had those Mambo King shirts yeah. with the ruffles yeah. and all yeah. that. Yeah. And there's a picture and everybody, and they have like those black and white patent leather shoes. Mm-hmm. I actually have the shirt because my brother says, hey, by the way, I still have that shirt, which looks like size extra, extra small. Hey, Definitely Zeus. wouldn't fit. I yeah. Think you yeah. yeah, it would fit. It would fit. Hey, Sue, it's that. Yeah. So I was like, dang, my, my dad Same was yet. actually that little. <laughs> he, was that, he was that He was that small. So yeah, you know, and they Check played boleros and all page. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For photos of Jesus in this extra small shirt. Uh, actually, and I think that, that's kind of how they met was, uh, you know, my dad yeah. came to play and, you know, Hey, how's it going? You know, rest is history. Yeah, That's talk really to us cool. about your mom because you Socorro, right? Yes. And she, you, you wrote a very loving and beautiful piece uh, near Mother's Day last year about about your mother. Oh, thanks. And uh, it was actually she who uh, bought you your uh, sax, right? Yeah, yeah. We uh, when I w- in Kern Avenue School, you know, the way these programs would work was. Uh, unlike, I, I found out that in Bakersfield, they have different ways of kind of introducing the kids into the music programs where you lined up, they had all these instruments lined up. And so what my friends used to tell me was that you line up and you have, you get to pick the instrument and that's the instrument you're going to play. Well, in McFarland, we had the same thing, but since my, my, my brother Art had a tenor saxophone, my parents, I wanted to play trumpet and they go, well, we already have a saxophone. So you do that. And I was really tiny, took that horn. I was like, no, this is this is too big. So the teacher said, you know what, Mrs. Munoz, uh, why don't we just? I'm going to show you this. This is the saxophone that he should get. Okay, so went to Gutcher's Music, used to be here in Bakersfield, did the rental program. There was rent to own. Got me the horn, and that was it. And yeah, yeah. So you just, I went in. I used to, you start all the all the kids would start out on flutophone, and then you kind of graduate into instruments and all that stuff. And I remember I did not make it into the advanced band. Oh. Yeah, I didn't make it. And you but, didn't but that make but, it? but that no 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 and because and my parents my parents go was I know my parents marched over to the school and said, Hold on a second. We just spent all this money on this <laughs> instrument and you're not gonna say our son can advance and do this program? Wrong. Because we stuck with this instrument now. What is he gonna do? He <laughs> just, he's just gonna play, you know, play in the in the and drive my sisters crazy, which I used to do all the time. Yeah. I used to play along like cameo records and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> my sister said, Tell him to stop. So like, no, he's gonna be in the program. So the teacher said, Well, okay, we'll make this exception. Because my my parents are very involved with the schools and all that stuff. And so I progressed and did all that stuff. And yeah, you know, you just you just dive into those programs and you and you be a music geek and do all that stuff and and that's kind of how that happened. And look at you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody has a. You know, it's funny because through all those from elementary, I started in the third grade, and by the time you get into high school, I was like one of only two students that had gone through those full programs. Mm-hmm. But we had great instructors back then. You know, the uh, Lawrence Heckman, who actually started kind of revived the music program in McFarland had left about two years in after he'd got us new uniforms, did all this stuff. Uh, he came over here like Actus, and he ended up be- being, he won like 
instructor of the year here in Bakersfield City School District. Yeah. And uh, he's retired and all that stuff. But yeah, it's, it's because of those instructors, great instructors and the support from my parents. And, and during the high school years, your high school years, you um, spent your summers with the Golden Empire Sons Youth Band and traveled all around the country. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was one of those things from my instructor, Lawrence Heckman, who was from Bakersfield, but he he, he commuted to McFarland to teach. Was that he said, uh, "Hey, what is your? What are you going to do this summer?" I was like, "I don't know. I'm going to hang out at the pool." And he's like, "Well, let's talk to your parents. I think you have a good opportunity to come to this Golden Empire Sons Youth Band that the Scheibels, who were involved with Bakersfield High School, uh, uh, Fred and um, Fred and Janice Scheibel, they were really big in the music programs here and helping you know support the kids." So we went over there. We, you know, my parents sold candies, and and every summer we'd go to Santa Barbara Fiesta Days and and perform in all those programs, the local parades. And one year we went to the World's Fair, went to Canada, went to Yellowstone, Cheyenne Days Rodeo, performed all that. And we had these these black slacks that were like Levi Stay Press slacks from Floyd's, and these kind of cowboy fringe cowboy yellow kind of lame shirts <laughs> and then we have these big white cowboy hats awesome. oh. <laughs> so my head's big and the hat looked bigger <laughs> do you have photos of this yeah, yeah. We need that. oh man oh if i could i've got i've got the pictures there's one thing is like my parents saved everything so when my parents when my 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 mom would always say, "Oh, I saved this stuff." So she would have like fifteen clippings of the same clipping from the newspaper <laughs> if I was ever in it. And then when she passed away, like I got this big case, and I was like, "Oh my god, my parents saved everything!" Oh, what a treasure! Yeah, yeah. Awesome. T- tons of dorky stuff. So like my kids ever want to see it, they can laugh. <laughs> <laughs> laugh and laugh and laugh. Yeah. No, Matt, I'm interested. You said you moved into Bakersfield mm-hmm. in '85. Uh, 86, right 86. after. Yeah. So um, can you speak on what the music culture and scene was like in the mid-80s and like underground culture and like what started to influence you at that point? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it even before that, since I couldn't drive and I was, you know, a teenager, my sisters, I relied on my sisters to bring me into to shows. So like I said, the only kind of way you find out what was going on in Bakersfield, you either listen to, you know, the radio station outside KKXX if they advertise something uh, or you looked at the the Saturday at Large, which was the original entertainment section of the Bakersfield Californian. So it's like, oh, there's a punk show, you know, and I was just barely getting into that stuff. So like when Motley Crue came to play in 1983 at the Civic Center, Shout at the Devil Tour, Oingo Boingo played at the Fox Theater, when it was like falling apart. <laughs> like they used to, like all the 80s shows that used to happen in the in the Fox Theater, my sisters would drop me off and say, okay, and they're like, well, we'll pick you up when the show's over. You know, it's like one in the morning and I'm still standing outside oh. of the box. <laughs> if I couldn't get a homie to go with me, they're like, you know, we're just going to drop you off and, and we'll pick you up later. So who knows where my sisters went? <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, you, you come into the scene and everything's just larger than life. You know, it's not LA, but it was Bakersfield. And then once you graduated into 86 and I was already driving, I had my first, you know, jalopy car. You go to shows around here. It was a very slow process where I started to kind of meeting who was who. So they used to have punk rock shows over at the old Roller Town, which was over there. It used to be over there by um, by the Valley Plaza. And they had little shows here, there. And like I said, the Civic Center, Rabobank, which is Rabobank Convention Center, was the main uh, concert venue. And the Fox Theater, as I said, was in total 
tatters at the time that all the all the fixtures on there were just like falling apart so if like the band was really loud stuff would fall off the walls oh. Oh, wow. and to me it was just like you know i would just sit in the back because i didn't know anybody and it wasn't until i i enrolled in bakersfield college that i started meeting friends that were from here from bakersfield and then they started taking me to shows and introducing to me to people so it was just kind of a slow process but i definitely went i came in through the from the back of the audience just kind of as an observer, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I just having fun, yeah. And who were you listening to at that time, during that time period? Oh, everything was 80s. I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of soul and R&B and stuff, like Tower Power, all the R&B stuff, because my sister's always listening, you know, the Jacksons, Parliament Funkadelic, uh, War, Tito Puente. My parents loved listening to mariachi music and all the cha-cha-cha stuff. But my dad also loved American jazz, big band jazz. We're always listening to uh, Glenn Miller, Frank Sinatra, and all that stuff. So I was always kind of surrounded by that. And I didn't necessarily share that with my friends. It was like They weren't as much of a music geek as me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if there was – we had like a school dance. Hey, Matt, you're going to bring all your records and – very particular about what was hot at the time. <laughs> I'm not going to bring a, you know, Tito Puente record <laughs> to, to the school dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. Well, uh, your band, Mental Buru, is probably the most well-known uh, band in town. Oh, for the right reasons. Uh, for all, all, all <laughs> good reasons. Have we committed uh, any but, crimes? But, yeah, tell, for those who aren't familiar, tell tell us the origin story. Uh, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me condense this. Well, as I mentioned, I was in the Bakersfield College uh, marching band, and that's where I met uh, some of my friends who would end up going on to form the band with me. Uh, Mr. Joe Vasquez was an East High graduate, rest in peace. And um, Scott Thompson, who was like one of my mentors. Uh, Scott Thompson was a member of the News Brothers at the time in in the, in the 80s and into the 90s. And the News Brothers were... Uh, all the newscasters at the time, Kevin Keishan, uh Carl Schweitzer, all these guys that you saw on Channel 17 and Channel 23 and all that stuff. And Scott was a reentry student over at BC. And I said, man, you know, I really want to, I really would love to play in a band. He's all, okay, well, go ahead and bring your sax and I'm going to take you to this club, uh, Suds Tavern, which is now Muertos, right there in the Wall Street And what Alley. year was this? Oh, this was 1990. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like eighty nine, ninety. Okay. It was just that, uh, and so I was just barely still starting to meet people as as I was uh, at Bakersfield College. It says, go ahead and bring your bring your sax over there, and we'll meet you to the guys. And from that point on, I was just playing R and B. They were playing like Mustang Sally and stuff like that, and so I was just up there, real stiff playing. And as time went on, I'm listening to all this other different types of music. I'm listening to more reggae. I'm listening to more ska. And I was listening to, you know, 80s bands like Oingo Boingo who had horn sections. And since I played the sax, there weren't a whole lot of options playing the type of music that I was into, which I was really into punk rock music. Well, you can't have a saxophone in a punk rock band. But when I discovered like the ska stuff that was going on, you know, the specials and madness and all that stuff, I said, that's the type of band we need to form here. So Joe was all about it because Joe played trombone. Mm-hmm. And we kind of came up in the same kind of ranks, him at East Bakersfield High School. You know, he played sports, but he was also a music geek. At the time, there was a music, there was a music paper called The Music Note. And it said, you know, place music one ads. Okay, so I said, uh, musicians looking to start a ska reggae band. I put my phone number in there. And I lived in this old roach-infested, my first apartment right up there off of Q Street. And I started getting all these phone calls. Hey, uh, 
Are you the guy who wants to start a band? What is this? What is it about? Like, you actually want to start a ska band in Bakersfield? I was like, yeah, yeah. What do you do? He's like, well, I don't play anything. I'm just surprised that somebody actually posted this. There is no, re- there's no reggae bands or ska bands in Bakersfield. So I was like, okay, whatever. Well, at the time I was working at, at Sears, I was working in the shoe department. Rest in peace, Sears. My first job. He <laughs> goes. This guy calls up. He goes, "Hey, man, I have a I have a dub reggae band, and we're playing a show at Goose Looney's. And that's when Goose Looney's was off of uh, South Chester. And uh, why don't you, you know, why don't you come and sit in with us this weekend? I was like, okay. So I told Joe, all right, man. We said we're gonna do this. I'm gonna take you with me. So I was like, oh, okay. So we go over there. We go to the show. These guys played reggae music. They were from all over the place, and they played it so slow because they were smoking out. But it was really cool because they had like they were showing Bob Marley videos all over the place and all that stuff. And Gooseleys was like the kind of the hip, uh, in the underground place to, to have kind of independent shows. Okay, so he goes, okay, so got through the first night. Then the second night, Joe's all, dude, I'm not going back over there, man. Those guys, they stink. It was just, it, it, we're, we're going to be, it, it's what's supposed to be like an hour show. It seemed like we were there for about five hours. <laughs> so we kept on going, kept on going. We made it through that. And then the next day, the guys, the guy, uh, he was the drummer. He says, well, why don't you guys just play with us, man, until something comes along. So we used to go rehearse over there off of El Toa Drive in the garage of one of the guys that was in the band. And as time started going on, Joe knew some people. Joe was working, had some other friends with that were in another band called Paper House. And that's where our, our future drummer Cesario Garasa and our future bass player Jason Grooms uh, uh, were in. And it just kind of it became through all these, like as Cesario would say, we kind of cannibalized off these different bands and they eventually became Triple R Sounds Roots Rock Reggae. So at this time, I was just playing sax. Joe was playing trombone. Jason Grooms was on bass. Cesario was on the was on drums, and we had an, another singer. His name was Bob Dunn, who has since passed away. Rest in peace. And we had a, a guy who was from Wasco. His name was Larry, but he had dreads and called himself Roz Larry Roberts. <laughs> so he was like the reggae authority. Really super cool dude. When you went to his house, it was like you walked into Jamaica. Oh. Wow. It was crazy. And this was right off of El Toro Drive. So time went on. We're like, well, we can't call ourselves Roots Rock Reggae anymore because we started incorporating more ska music into it. It wasn't just all one drop. So we're getting faster and faster and all this stuff, kind of in our own little world. Well, the Bakersfield Reggae Fist used to happen over there at Kern County Museum. I mean, at the Kern County Fairgrounds. They asked us to play. Well, we can't go by Triple R Sounds. Bob Dunn, who was kind of like the leader of the band at the time, says, well, I got this book on Jamaica. He had gone to Sandals Resort one time, and when he came back, he was, once again, he was the authority on all things Jamaica. Oh this is a white God. dude with blonde hair, you know, like total beach bum was wearing like those, those, those uh, weightlifter pants and stuff like that, and he would always wear like, you know, uh, reggae stuff. And he goes, okay, this is what we're going to call ourselves, Mento Buru. And I was like, Okay, what does that mean? Well, mento is a type. They're both two types of rhythms. Mento comes from the mento folk movement in Jamaica, so it's a very kind of just a folk music. It's like a Caribbean style music. It's very folky, and so there's that. Buru is the Buru drummers. If you listen, you could look up Buru drumming in Jamaica and Africa. It has a very distinct sound, just very distinct tribal sound. Uh, that was the rhythm that kind of was the foundation of ska music. So when you put those two together, Mento inspired reggae, 
Buru was the foundation of ska, reggae ska. Here we are, Mento Buru, you know. But we were just like some dudes from Bakersfield, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, we didn't look like a reggae band at all. We were just kind of like, you know. <laughs> As a Jamaican myself, I will tell you, we love that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like you're one of us. Oh okay? yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and so you know, from that point on, like we were getting all these opportunities. We opened up for Joe Higgs, who was Bob Marley's mentor. Oh, wow. uh, um, Oh God, we we opened up for so many great reggae bands. There was an actual reggae. There was a, a kind of a small pocket of Ethiopians that lived here in Bakersfield, and where the mark is now, there was a gentleman by the name of Abraham. I think he's since he he may have moved back to Jamaica, but he opened up an Ethiopian restaurant in the heart of downtown Bakersfield, and. We used to go over there because he would they would have DJs and they would just be playing nothing but reggae and you had and all of a sudden like in the evenings uh and this is before downtown the way it is now it was like all these Jamaicans came out and everybody was partying and they were making food and it was like reggae music and all that stuff but so we were having a great old time and they were just like yeah man you guys play reggae music yeah we're just you know we're going to support you and all that stuff the law started coming in and would break. They're like, hold on a second. What's going on with all, what's going on with all these Jamaican flags and all this stuff <laughs> going on, you know? And so it was just, it was a, it was a bit before it's time, but you know, when, when, uh, when those type of businesses used to kind of get a little heat because the culture was a little, it was kind of a culture shock. Mm-hmm. It just went back to the people's homes. And so we used to go party at their homes and it was just like, they'd make the food right there. The first time, you know, this Mexican kid from McFarland had jerk chicken, <laughs> and and red beans and rice and all this this amazing soul food and plantains and all that stuff. I didn't know that stuff existed. Yeah. Yeah. So the music introdu- helped also introduced me to like this whole other world. So as time went on, Mental Brew just kind of continued. We kind of continued to cultivate our 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 fan base and to attract people into town. And so we were just kind of like we just kind of had our own little scene because there was nothing at the time. There was nothing but uh, rock cover bands. R&B cover bands with some great musicians who are my friends, but that was it. And then there was Mento Buru now, let's, and the punkers. Let's, <laughs> I just love the way you describe yourself starting out as a stiff sax player because that is the opposite of what you are now. I mean, now you're, the, <laughs> you're the front man, you're moving, you're getting everybody to dance, you're yelling and screaming, and it's, I mean, one of the most dynamic shows I've ever seen. So how did you transition from what you, the stiff sax player to what you are now? Oh well, when I got into the jazz music program at Bakersfield College, uh, Chuck Woods, who was the director at the time, um, I was going to be. We each had to audition for the positions, and so we're playing jazz. And the jazz, as I knew it back in elementary school, junior high, was just like you had the one sheet. But I wasn't really listening to jazz at the time until I got into BC. So Chuck Woods, he saw Matt. Your tone is great. You know how to read the music, but you got no soul. You're playing very ricky ticky 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 ticky. You're supposed to go. So just keep on working on it and working on it, and and that was it. It was just kind of like loosen up, man. Loosen up. Have a beer. You know, do something. <laughs> do something that's going to allow you to loosen up. Play along with these records. Go listen to this. And then when I went over to Cal State, when I transferred to Cal State. There was a continuance of that under the direction of Doug Davis. So at the time, you had Bakersfield College and CSUB with these amazing programs with uh, great mentorships. And it was just like, yeah, man, just loosen up. So then I just dove into listening to 
a lot of the more kind of the old school junior Walker sax playing with shotgun and all that stuff into Charlie Parker, uh, John Coltrane, all that stuff. And a lot of the, the Jamaican sax players from the Scatolites, Roland Alfonso, Tommy McCook. And so just in, incorporated into, into my sound, you know, you know, you got to, everybody has to develop their own style. Matt, I really think that you are the dean of the local music scene. Uh, and and I, I want you to describe for us um, the local music scene today and how it's evolved over the years. Yeah. Well, you know, if you were to ask somebody that same question, everybody's going to have a different response sure. because it depends on when they kind of entered into it. As I mentioned, me coming in into the late eighties looking way on the outside, mm-hmm. everything was like, man, it was just like the undiscovered country into the nineties. When I kind of jumped into it, it was very rich. There was a lot of, you know, there was a lot more venues for the kids to play. And we were part of the kids scene, you know, under 21 clubs, Bam Bams, uh, which became Mars and mannequins and all these clubs down here. It, you know, it goes in those waves when corn broke, everybody wanted to be corn. So every, everybody had kind of dropped what they were, doing at the time, but we always stayed Mento Veru. Everybody was doing corn. Into today, it's kind of all over the place again because, you know, once the internet came in, you kind of, as time went on, I think a lot of the younger musicians, and there's an amazing amount of young musicians that are coming in and, and doing their thing, is that they kind of like, well, if we don't have the scene to really back us or we don't really need to play shows, you know what, we just need to create our own music and, and put it on the web. So what I'm finding out now is that even though it seems like there might be less shows, there's a lot more music being made on the internet from these young musicians and mm-hmm. bands like Hate Drugs, who, who I profiled, put them on the stage over at Village Fest because I'm on the committee because I was like, Bakersfield, you need to see these younger bands that are coming up and you need to support them and see what they're doing. So I'm always on the watch. I'm always kind of like seeing what's going on. I develop these relationships with these young musicians because they're like, hey, man, you know, you've done that. What, what can you, you know, what can you, uh, what kind of advice can you give us? And I'm just like, just play out of town. Keep on putting out all your music. So right now you have a lot, just varied influences of a lot of different bands. A lot of the veteran musicians that are, you know, fortunately healthy enough to continue to play in after all these years, ourselves included. This is 27 years of mental brew this year. We're blessed to keep on going. And yeah, I mean, the way, when I look at the music scene now and these young bands, I kind of see myself more as kind of in a, in a mentor position, sure. not necessarily like, oh, we got to make our mark. You know, we've been doing it for 27 years. We were very blessed to kind of roll with all these punches and, and still make it. But now it's just like, I'm, I love discovering the new bands. Who are those new musicians that you're keeping an eye out for? Oh, yeah. Well, Hey Drugs, Capital Brothers, who, who led that group. Um, oh, man, let me see. Um, there's uh, guys like Chris Borbin who played drums. He's also a local artist in town. He used to be one of my, he used to be one of my interns. Um, let's see. Oh, my gosh. Steady Vibe. And who are playing reggae now? There's a lot more reggae bands now. Yeah, <laughs> Steel Pulse. Really, yeah. yeah, Steel Pulse. <laughs> Steel Pulse was just here uh, over at the Fox Theater, and they, and they let one of the local reggae bands open up. Uh, there's a lot more uh, young bands playing Latin music, and so you see like everything from the banda scene. I'm seeing like all these young musicians that are coming out of the music programs, and they're going directly into the banda scene, 
or they're playing the mariachis, mariachi music. So it's not just about rock and roll and independent indie music and, and punk and stuff that we're used to. It's all over the place, you know, because those young musicians are investing their time into keeping those traditions alive. Great. Thank you so much, Matt. Yeah. And list- you guys, oh, sorry, go ahead. And you have a documentary on YouTube, uh, which I thought was really cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, tell us about that. More. It's uh, about 15 minutes, and it just uh, documents the history of the band, and they go into detail about the name and some of the experiences you've been through. I thought it was a fascinating documentary. So for the listeners out there, if you're interested. Well, where else can people listen to Mintaburu? Oh, you can find us on Spotify and uh, Pandora. We have Pandora radio station, iTunes. Um, we're all over. You just look us up. Yeah, if you want to see the documentary that was put up by Hectic Films from here in Bakersfield, so 15 minute. They filmed it like in Ju- in the middle of July, and it was like 108 degrees, and we're in my <laughs> garage. So we look all, you know, pardon if we look a little sweaty and kind of like under the weather, but it was hot. But they were just, they just showed up, and I was like, I thought you guys were coming tomorrow. So they did, they followed us around because we play at Pyrenees for the, you know, daytime shows, and they're like, you know, you guys really need, people yeah, need to tell, tell your story, and kind of like people need to know what's going on every so many years. And so it, it was nice that they felt, you guys are really important to the to the music scene and kind of the the fabric of Bakersfield musical history after all these years. So we want to do this thing for you. So they did it for free and they actually like sent it out to South by Southwest oh, wow. and you know sent it to these little mini festivals and you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Hectic Films Mento Buru and it's filmed in East Bakersfield, baby. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and for all of our listeners who want to dance, go to a Mento Bureau show. I mean, they have, you have such a great following, and you get everybody moving. So, And there are not nice. very many opportunities to dance in Bakersfield. So, yeah. wonderful. And where are you guys playing next? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, you could if you go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Mento Bureau, M-E-N-T-O-B-U-R-U, and make sure you get the spelling right. If you go to the events page right there, you can find about all our shows. But, you know, as we go into 2019, we got a lot of uh, everything from pri- private parties uh, to, oh, we're playing for the farewell show of Amistoys up on the hill on uh, June 9th. Rest in peace, yeah, Amistoys. Yeah. June 9th, 2019. So if you listen to this later on, if you missed it, too bad. You, if you hear this before, you better go. So June, yeah, June 9th over in Amistores, we're saying farewell there because we've had a lot of good shows. Since we, we Miranda and I moved into East Bakersfield, became homeowners, we really started investing a lot of our time and the music and everything into you know uplifting East Bakersfield. And then you got Village Fest in September, uh, the Marketplace, all the community events. We're blessed to be a part of those and that people dig what we do. So you have everything, all ages, from the kids to the grandmas and the grandpas, the demographic across the board, white, black, everybody, brown is into the music. And so we kind of pride ourselves on that. Play some reggae, you want to dance some cumbia, you don't, know how to, you don't have to know how to speak Spanish, just get out there and dance. And it's a, we, we just want to unify and show what Bakersfield's all about. Awesome. And on a personal note, you referenced Miranda, you're married to... Miranda Whitworth? Yes, Miranda Whitworth. Munoz. Munoz. (laughs) (laughs) I got it right when we had her on the show. Uh, And uh, you guys just got married. You celebrated recently your one-year anniversary. The royal wedding. Yeah, Yeah, the royal Bakersfield wedding. That was was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. 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 Miranda and I, when Miranda was working for Crab Radio, when I was working for the Californian, uh, we had a, a niche product called Bakotopia, and we used to do Bakotopia Radio. They they paired us up together, and we were kind of in our own relationships at the time. Time went on. We started getting that little twinkle. 
<laughs> and, you know, we ended up together, and then it was just like years passed by. We're having a lot of fun. We're into the same stuff. We're going to concerts, festivals. We talk about music. We're hosting the show. And because I always say Miranda was just like, so what's up, Matt? What's up? What's up? It's already it's, we're we're gonna be together for almost ten years. What's up? And it was just like, will you marry me? Boom! Here we are. I love it. Uh, I love her. She's amazing. She's so talented. She's always been very very supportive uh, and of everything I do. And we're just perfect for each other. It's I, another I lo- blessing. I, I I agree, and I love the relationship you have. And I I got to commend you. I love the relationship you have with Zach. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's very special bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, Zach. Uh, help! I've seen Zach grow. We were looking up at pictures because you know on Facebook they have memories. Mm-hmm. So my gosh, he he was just up to my knee, and now this kid's like eating everything out of the fridge. <laughs> and we're talking about music. He wants to listen to you know Hot Nine Four Point One. He knows all the hip hop stuff. <laughs> he knows how old he, he is. Is he's twelve. 12 years yeah. old, yeah. And you met him when when he was, what, three or two? Two, three? yeah. yeah. First, I, I remember Miranda said, well, hey, do you do you mind if I do you mind if I bring over my son? I was like, yeah. So he comes over. I was living in the New Yorker apartments at the time when we first started dating. And uh, he comes in, and she puts him down, and he just started bolting all over the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> it was a crazy, it was just like, you know, wind-up toy, went bananas. And so from that, we were we were hooked. You know, we're hooked. I love it. Yeah. You're listening to Hello Bakersfield. Okay, for our last segment, we're going to play a little game with you that we play with all of our guests. It's called 73 Questions, and it's inspired by Vogue's 73 Questions. Now, we actually don't ask 73 questions, but we try to. And we only take a few moments, a few minutes, uh, and we ask as many questions as possible. What we're asking of you is to answer those questions as quickly as possible. Okay, so no pauses. No, no, don't overthink this. We want the most honest, earnest answers as quickly as possible. Can I curse? <clears throat> yes. Your, wi- your wife did. Your wife did. I fix it in the mix. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Are you ready? Yeah. <sighs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll begin, and then we'll uh, go to Carla, then Jesus, and Rachel. Okay. Your favorite word in Spanish? Orale. Top three things on your bucket list. Visit the uh, the pyramids. Um, go to London for a concert. Visit Mexico City again. The most heard song in two thousand and nineteen. Gray matter, Oingo Boingo. The last book you read. The real Frank Zappa book. Favorite quote. A man who does not spend time with his family can never be a real man. Don Corleone, the godfather. Uh, Favorite Bakersfield spot? Tembler Brewing Company. Who is your greatest role model? My parents. An impossible wish. Open my own school. What do you do to find calm? Walk the trail. Biggest accomplished achievement? Being a parent. Your power color? Black. Favorite place to be? Home with my wife. Something you can never live without? Water. 
So <laughs> Literal. Got <laughs> 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 it <her> right here. <laughs> Hobby that you'll never give up. Music. Three words to describe yourself. Loyal, funny, clean. Last question. Your biggest fear. Being poor. Hmm. Well, thank you. That was your... Did that put a lump in everybody's throat? No, I was, well, you said last question, but I was just going to come in, Matt Munoz. I think he did the most questions that we've got in. That and was very As quickly good. as possible, yeah. So yeah. thank you, Matt. Good job. Oh, all right. All right. Do I get an award? Yes. Do I get a major award? Well, I'm not sure about that, but we want to thank you for being a guest on our show and spending some time with us on the Hello Bakersfield podcast. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you all. We really appreciate you. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Yes. We're excited. We're, we're excited nice. about it. And we want to thank you, the listeners, for listening in because that's our show. A huge thanks to Brian Boozer and Om Studios, located in the heart of downtown Bakersfield, for producing today's show. And a big thanks to the Hate Drugs, who Matt referenced earlier who is providing our theme music. We'll be back next week with another episode of Hello Bakersfield. But until then, bye Bakersfield. Goodbye Bakersfield. Adios. Bye Bakersfield. Buenos nachos Bakersfield. (laughs) 